Welcome to Europedia Weekly SBS podcast on European affairs. This week, does Turkey have a future in Europe? Almost a year ago, the world was stunned when a coup d'etat occurred in Turkey. A group of military officials tried to seize power. President Recep Tayyip Erdogan survived the coup, not only physically, but also politically. Since then, a crackdown on the opposition occurred. A controversial referendum took place and Erdogan will gain more presidential powers than any of his predecessors could have ever imagined in recent time. In the meantime, there's the war against IS, the refugee crisis, the Kurdish question and severe terror attacks that seem to become all the more frequent. No easy times for Turkey, but reason enough for us to ask, how will Erdogan change this important country that for so long has been a trusted ally of the West? Welcome again to Europedia, an outside view on Europe provided by insiders. I'm your host, Oliver Heute. Who is Erdogan, the man, and how will he change Turkey? I, for now, would like to introduce my guests on the Europedia panel today, starting with Ibrahim Gürtschul. Ibrahim is an entrepreneur in Australia. However, he has spent many years in Turkey, and he strongly supports Erdogan and his policies. G'day, how are you? Also here we've got Teşkan Gümüş. He was born in Australia and he's a dual citizen of Turkey and Australia. And he has spent an extensive period of time in Istanbul over the last year. And he's currently also working on his PhD and he exactly deals with Turkish politics at Deakin. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Also on the panel, we've got Fatma Ipek. Fatma works in Melbourne as an environmental scientist. She was also born in Australia but she has close ties to Turkey through friends and family, and she understands why Erdogan and his policies strike a chord with many people in Turkey. Hi, thanks. It's nice to be here. Also on the panel, Hande Ergen. Hande is a journalist here at SBS, and uh, she migrated from Turkey to Australia almost 10 years ago, and she got married last year. Congratulations. Thank you very much. A bit late. And why this is relevant that you got married <laughs> last year, we will hear right here. Right now, only on Europedia. And uh, you got married last year. What day was that? The day was the 15th of July, when the night is being happening, the military cop. I wasn't getting married with the Turkish guy. I was getting married with the Japanese guy. And then I had a lot of uh, foreign guests in Turkey. Uh, four Australians, two Swedish, and then my husband's uh, relatives from Japan. Uh, they even make this trip for this wedding, and we were planning <laughs> last two years. Um, and then even there was a bomb before the uh, Istanbul airport. They People were scaring to come, but somehow they made it. Everybody came. We are happy. We got a henna night, as a traditionally, before the wedding day. Okay, so it's the night before. The night before. Okay, yep. It's the 15th of July, 30 minutes away from Antalya. Antalya is a big city. It's one a of famous the holiday destination. Yes, famous holiday destination. But we are in a small town. It's called Kemer Gönük. 
and it's kind of a village and mountains and around and we are having a very very much fun in there uh, traditional turkish songs uh, and then musicians came my japanese uh, family is in the, with their kimonos we are in a turkish traditional dress and it was very beautiful and we are having a fun and around the 10 o'clock i have a friend from uh, london he was working in sbs before now he's working in the bbc and his phone is ringing crazy. And I said, like, oh, okay. And then he came. I said, there is an attack in Bostrop's uh, bridge. There is a soldiers in there. And I said, like, oh, probably ISIS attacked or Russian attack us because we had a problem at that time as well. I didn't even think about it. There is a military cop going to happen. His phone is ringing. He started to say, us, oh, we need to leave now because I have uh, six foreign guests and None of them have a password with themselves. And then we are, uh, party stopped, everybody watching television. Yes. And then my friends were saying, we need to leave now. We need to leave now because everybody's going to go to their hotels and we don't know what will happen after that. Anyway, and then they, uh, they started traveling and we started, we are following them uh, with my parents' uh, car. And then luckily, there was nothing happened on the road. So you were expecting roadblocks and, and yes, chaos? Yes, exactly. And, yeah. I was expecting the roadblocks. Uh, they're going to ask passport. They're going to question us. They're going to be like, where are we coming from and stuff. Because it's recently in Turkey, while you're traveling, uh, police stop you suddenly. And then they ask your ID because of the terrorist uh, attacks and stuff like this for uh, security reasons. To do entering the city. And we saw a lot of people taking a money from the from the ATM. Ah, there was a long queue on ATM okay, yeah. and long queue on the petrol stations. Everybody uh, take a gas petrol and then uh, the, they're taking the money out. And then at that moment, I understand something serious. I wasn't sure what's going on because uh, I heard it on the television. There's a one lady was talking, oh, we took over the country for the... Uh, for modern Turkey, uh, Ataturk beliefs and stuff like that. You don't know what to believe. Is this real? Who is doing that? The, You're a journalist. Yeah, I'm a journalist and I don't. I, I couldn't figure out it. I'm in my hand at night. I should supposed to be have fun, but I'm trying to figure out what's going on in this country. I started watching television and I would just get so bad. And I said, can you wait one more week? We're going to do, do this wedding and then left one more week. I know it's so selfish, sounds selfish, but if you're living overseas in yes. Australia, yes. going to Turkey, after two years planning weddings, bring everyone else. I know it sounds selfish, but I said, at least wait one week. And then my husband said, oh, don't worry. You know, nothing going to happen in this country. And he's Japanese and he went to sleep. And I was just like, I said, okay, it might be wedding tomorrow. Maybe not. And I'm, I went to go sleep. And the next morning, I said, okay, this is the moment. Is my wedding is happening or not? Yeah, I'm in front of the window. There's a curtains. I said, when you open this curtain, if I saw the tanks, the wedding is off. If I saw the cars is going up and down, that's fine. It was the moment then I opened the curtain and I saw the cars is up and down. It's a normal life. And I said, okay, wedding is on. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ander, for those insights. Um, I hope it was still a special day. Um, maybe it made it more special. Um, yeah, it was 
for some of my friends, feel like uh, they uh, shared a special moment with us. And everyone has a story to tell now. So um, <laughs> it's a wedding that will stay in, on everyone's mind. Now let's talk about the Australian <laughs> Turkish community because that's, you're, you're part of that, obviously. Um, Fatma, you were born here in Australia. Um, you still have close ties. You, you, in many ways, supportive of Erdogan. When the coup happened last year and you were sitting in front of the TVs here in Australia, what oh, were yeah. your friends, relatives it saying was... here? Were they relieved and hoping for a, a throw over the government or were they saying, oh my God, what's happening to our home oh, country? Oh, yeah, no, it was more what's happening to our home country. What What's going on? This is scary. What you know? What will we do next? What will happen to Turkey? We were all quite on edge, really feeling it. We could, you know, it's disturbed sleep and those sorts of things. So we, we felt it. it. It impacted us. We have a lot of relatives overseas. And aside from my immediate family, all of my relatives are in Turkey. So, you know, we were we were concerned for them as well. You know, what will happen to them? Will they, Are they safe? Are they okay? And also for the, the reputation. You know, mm. I think Turkey gets pulled in so many directions all of the time. Uh, from so many different groups. You know, every time something happens to Turkey or something with Russia or something else, you go, oh, great, there's another person who's going to make a comment to me mm -hmm. and, and and dislike me. So even um, Australian friends that have nothing to do with Turkey uh, talk to you about Turkish uh, issues? Yeah, you know, I think the what happened um, last year, that, that definitely was something that a lot of people were talking about. You know, an example is... I was in Upper Ferntree Gully and I was buying a donut and <laughs> the, the lady there was speaking to um, to her friend about all of this, the military coup in Erdogan. It's the first time I've ever heard an Aussie talk about Erdogan ever. And, uh, you know, and she was saying, oh, you know, they say that, you know, they say that he's a dictator and what do you think? And to each other. And I went, Oh my goodness! This at was a, very random. At a donut store in Australia. At a donut store in Ferntree Gully. Ferntry Gully. It was a donut van. It was a donut van in Upper Ferntree Gully. People must and love their politics out east. Yeah, and I. Well, it was really <laughs> uncommon, and I thought, you know, this is really strange. So, definitely. Did you join in Turkey's, the conversation? Yes. What did you say? Well, yes. So you know, afterwards, you know, I was with Mum, and we went. Actually, you know, we're we're Turkish, and you know, she said, "What do you think?" and and all of this, and. You know, we, we didn't want to talk to her too much about it, but, you know, we said we, us, we, we said we certainly don't think he's a dictator. Erdogan has been in power for around about 15 years and he intends to stay on perhaps another decade or so. After all, he's only 63 years old, although... There were some health concerns earlier this week uh, when he was briefly hospitalized. The West is worried that he will turn his country into an autocratic state with an Islamist touch. The opposition complains about censorship and intimidation. Nevertheless, just over 50% of the population voted for his increase in power at the last referendum. He is credited with strengthening the economy. The standard of living went significantly up under his rule and in the past he attempted to make peace with the Kurdish minority. But first of all, to my guests, Teshka and Gümüş, uh, you spent quite a bit of time in Turkey recently, Tesh, and uh, we've heard a lot of stories about attacks, suicide bombs. Has the country lost its sense of security? I guess I was there from March last year till mid-January doing research field work and based at Bacchishir University in Besiktas and undertaking um, interviews with current politicians, ex-politicians, journalists in ag exile, 
academics. So anyone that had first-hand experience with, with politics and with, I guess, with Erdogan leadership as well. The country is very polarized. Society is extremely polarized between pro and anti-Erdogan. I guess I wouldn't call it depression, but there is this, what we call in Turkish, huzun, melancholy within society, especially where I was in Istanbul. So, you know, the, where I was living is very much more in Taksim Beyoğlu, which is very liberal, progressive, compared to other other sort of where you got Fatih, which is your conservative sort of um, uh, suburb, which has always voted AK Parti, Storchlak Parti. So the liberal, progressive and left-leaning and the more secular um, society feels very repressed through through many years of, of policies and the way that it's been treated at the hands of the government. But the other side is, you know, um, the, the Erdogan supporters are very happy with the way the country is going. So it is very, very divided. A lot of people who don't want to live in this type of uh, system or on this government are looking to leave. Well, yes, it's a divided country. There are people who vote for him and people who are opposing him. I've just uh, named a few things on the plus side, let's say that before. Um, especially the economy has mm. gone up, the yes. standard of living has gone up. Yes. What are other reasons why people support him? Well, he's given rights to people who didn't have rights before. I'll give an example. The conservative people. I lived in Turkey for many years and I come from a conservative family. I come from a conservative region in Turkey and um, we were suppressed. The Muslim people were suppressed. We didn't have rights to go to military schools. When I finished uh, middle school, I wanted to go to a military school, but because I started off at a theological school, I wasn't allowed. I wasn't even allowed to become a policeman. Now... We're allowed. And to give our listeners a bit of a background information on Turkish history, I think we need to understand it. The name um, Atatürk was already dropped before. Hande, could you just explain who Atatürk was? Because he's the founder of modern Turkey. Yeah, he's the founder of the, uh, modern Turkey. Before the modern Turkey was the Ottoman Empire, and then the modern Turkey is uh, bringing it up. But now in the Turkey political atmosphere, Once they deny this success and bring that like Ottoman Empire legend back, like some people really doesn't like it. Some people is really favorite. And that is the claim by many, especially in the West, Ibrahim. Uh, they say he wants to establish him as a new kind of sultan of the Ottoman Empire. Do you think that is uh, his plan? Come on, that's exaggeration. I mean, what? Uh, going back hundreds of years? I mean, yeah, we take pride in our history. As a Turkish person, I take pride in all of the Turkish history. Not just the Republic history for the hundred years, but before that, there was also a Turkish empire which is the ottoman empire and before that there was another empire and before that there was another empire the turkish people have established 16 different uh states during history and i'm proud of that do you think this is the last one or do you think there's another I one to hope follow not i i don't think so i think the turkish turkish people and the turkish turkish public republic will live forever okay And our last but not least guest uh, on the panel, Fatma, we've just heard that until recently, until Erdogan, um, religious people were discriminated in public offices, etc. Ibrahim says, have you heard similar stories from your friends and family yeah. back home? Or? No, I do actually. And even though I'm not, I don't follow politics as much as, uh, you know, some of the people here, there are a lot of things about Erdogan which I, which I support. And I think what Ibrahim was saying is very true and that's something uh, you know about um people sort of the more conservative conservative side being repressed because of Erdogan now people can people who wear a headscarf or hijab um they can now wear that and work in government and they can wear them 
in public buildings, which is something that the opposition is very, from what I've gathered, it makes them feel like there's this shift that's been happening towards conservatism. But but really, to me, I don't understand why you would want to suppress anyone. If you, you know, Erdogan's been accused of not being modern. I don't understand how it's not modern to allow people to dress and practice their religion in the way that they like. So I think that's a fantastic thing. And you'll see, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, news reporters on television and, you know, they're, they're wearing the headscarf. And I think that's fantastic because finally they're able to. And that's how they feel comfortable. That's how they practice their religion. So I'm really happy about that. And, I've, and so far I've really heard about the positives. It's almost like whatever Erdogan does... Because he has such a powerful presence that someone will want to oppress him. He's not easily controlled. So and he has a powerful presence. Does he still need more political powers, Tej? No, I think um, the, the referendum has actually just legalised what is happening in the country last since 2011. So especially after the coup, the state of emergency gave all these extraordinary powers. And with the referendum, it's actually being... Um, I guess, institutionalizing the constitution now. Nothing has actually changed dramatically since the referendum. It was just actually made official. Um, it's centralized power um, in the hands of one office, one executive office. So when you look at that in a democratic sense, it's completely against democratic norms and processes and ideals. If this is what the people, 51% or just over 51% want, that's fine. They've used the democratic elected rights to actually, ironically, to end democracy itself. When the executive gets to, with these changes, gets to choose 70% of the legislature, when he gets to choose his whole cabinet and there's no oversight of parliament, parliament doesn't get to um, have any influence in the laws if the president decides that that shouldn't have any. So he, he can dissolve parliament, call a state of emergency whenever he wants create ministries, destroy ministries as, as a will. So the only thing that happens that's democratic is, is the votes. And as of now, it's not democratic anymore is what you were yeah, saying. Yeah, I mean, you have, a, sorry, you have a parliament, but it's a toothless tiger. It really has yeah, no Ibrahim, strong you interfered before? Yeah. This thing about uh, all the power being in the one hand and uh, we're moving away from democracy. And we've actually moved toward... away from democracy. There's no, we're moving away. It's I disagree ended. with you. I totally disagree okay. with you. Okay. I, we are going to have in that sense 600 that, yeah, yeah. members of parliament that are going to make the law, the legislators. They are going to make the law. They're not going not to make Erdogan. the law. It, they refer what the laws to Erdogan. What are they there for then? Exactly. They're just to it's look good? Al- exactly. This is what's called modern authoritarianism. Modern authoritarianism gives the facade of democracy, but Why? there is actually no democracy itself. So what are they itself. there for? What are we paying them for? The exactly. 600 MPs. This is exactly what you think what they, they do have. nothing? Exactly. No, they make laws. No, no. When's this, when this constitution in two years get calls into effect, yeah. they're not going to have any power. Excuse me, what's your evidence for that? What are the 600 MPs there for? What are we paying them for? Why are we going through the whole election process of electing MPs? My evidence is actually the Constitution. If you look at the amendments, this is what it says. The president has overriding powers over legislature. They don't get it. There's no cabinet that comes. It doesn't need to come out of the, the parliament. This is the thing I want to explain a little bit. Like Mentality is different. In Turkey, when you when you uh, analyze the Eastern way of politics and the Western way of politics, is quite different. That's the problem. Is in here, 
um, we have in Eastern way of politics, if like very strong presidency appearance, everybody follows him, but they don't know what they... Strong ruler. Mm. Most of the people follow him, but they don't know what they follow it. Most of the people Excuse doesn't me, know in the legislation sometimes. Sometimes you, sometimes you trust the man. You trust the man mm. and then you give, you handed everything to that person because you trust that person. I've heard another, you know, I've like, heard another I, do disagreement. You yeah, like, I do understand. No, I'm not but against... you're insulting no, no. the people's no, 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 intelligence. The Turkish people, you're insulting them. You're no, saying no, that no. They, they totally uh, they abide by one leader. They have no brain. They just say, OK, no, I'm going to turn off my brain. No. I'm just going to hand it over to the captain there. Because That's they an insult to it, the people. You don't understand me. Yes, I, I do. I told you. They I know trust what you're trying him. to get at. They trust him. Yes, we trust him. You've got to yes, have a bit of trust. That's why. It doesn't mean you, you just totally you, switch off your brain. That's, that's why some people, I'm not generalizing the people, some people, they don't want to be questioned more. You know, they don't want to be like, think about more what's in it because they trust him. Yeah, which, you know, yeah. I'm not saying bad or I'm not against There's that. There's a Turkish saying, you can trust, but it doesn't stop you from checking. But how will you, how will you check on him if he has that much power? How will well, you do that then? Because the laws, first of all, he has to abide by the laws. The laws are made by the 600 MPs. He doesn't make laws. But under, he does. He, he executes the laws. Yeah. Most chooses, of them from his party as well. He chooses to veto or to authorise those laws. He yeah. gets to authorise those laws. And he doesn't even have to go through parliament to make laws. <laughs> We're on Europedia here and we're talking the state of Turkey and we've learned from the last referendum but also just here in this small studio that the nation is quite divided. Some support Erdogan, some don't. Now I would like to uh, address two topics that already popped up. Within a few minutes we were talking about religion. Fatma mentioned religion pretty yes. much as soon as we started talking politics so religion must play a big role mm -hmm. in this discussion. And Hande mentioned mentality and how the Turkish people think, how they vote and how politics work in Turkey. I think it would be really interesting for us to learn more about that. Erdogan and religion are obviously tied together. You've mentioned it from the start yes. that it is important for him to push forward the Muslim agenda. Is that fair to yeah, say? Yeah, we're a Muslim majority country. Mm. I mean, Fatma, do you believe in the, in the separation of state and religion? It depends. It depends. Sometimes I, I, I sort of come and go with this one a little bit. And I, you know, I, I feel that Turkey is a Muslim country at the end of the day. Even just going back to Turkey, I feel like there's this real want for people, for a lot of people, especially younger people, to be part of Europe and to move away from, from religion and from anything that's Muslim. And, and because they feel that that's better, it must be They, they, they would probably have a better life. That's how they feel, that the grass is greener on the other side. They will have a better life um, in Europe. And if Turkey was more like Europe, um, then it would be better for everyone. I don't think that's the right way to think about it. I think at the end of the day, it still is a Muslim country. And whether people agree with the religion or not, that's what it is. And I think the changes that were made by Erdogan aren't in opposition with what Ataturk sort of introduced mm -hmm. um, about, you know, banning the headscarf and... The headscarf ban actually came, was introduced with the 1980 coup. So, what, you know, it wasn't 
something that stemmed from the Republican era, but it was really reinforced uh, with the with these coups, and, and the coup implemented a very liberal um, constitution in 1982. So a lot of these um, things stem from that. So those that felt that they were being repressed in the 90s, 80s, and 90s, the conservative element, like Ibrahim said, you know, you go to Imam Hatib or theolo- uh, theological school, um, you can't go into state institutions. Now it's what's happened is, you know, it's, it's, it's the reversing of that. Um, it's more of a payback. I mean, it doesn't seem like that. It's sort of like, you, you know, him sort of bringing up, lifting what was the minority, the oppressed. The oppressed. I don't understand why it necessarily means that those on the other side are now being repressed. I, I, it almost this, seems like it's, it's just like this, like the op, the opposition are scared. It's more that this. It's not that they're being they're really being affected that much. It's just it's more that no, they're being affected. They're scared. They're definitely how how being are affected. they being affected? Yeah. Are, are you projecting this into the future? That you think after the after the new constitution comes into place, that then there will be definitely a crackdown and and, and let's say atheist people or more liberal people, westernized people will suffer under no, discrimination, think, or is that already taking place? It's more about opposition and critics. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's what's being cracked down upon. What is the point at which people need to stop? Like, you know. A lot of people say there's no freedom of speech anymore. To what extent could a, can a person have freedom of speech? Like how much freedom do you need to have? Does that mean do anything you want, say anything you want? It's just... Well, when, you have, when, you, you when know, you're leading the world in, in the most jailed journalists, then, you know, obviously that, that's a significant demonstration of the freedom of thought or freedom of speech. They always bring up this subject about uh, many, many journalists being jailed in Turkey. Yes. Right? Okay. We always we always see that in the news. My friend, academics have lost their jobs. Okay. Let, yes. There's faculties at this moment that can't uh, function because there's no academics or maybe one academic in the faculty. So you're saying uh, journalists uh, jailed, academics have been uh, oppressed or whatever it is. And jailed, yeah. And jailed. Okay. Now, there's a rule of law in Turkey. You've got 80 million people, you know, to uh, to hold 80 million to people together in peace and harmony, you've got to have some laws. No, you can't just go around, do whatever you want, say whatever you want. Even in Australia, we can't just go around doing what we want, yeah. saying what we want. Can anybody go out and say, I support ISIL? Can anyone do that? Yeah, you know what will happen? I mean Five o'clock in the morning, you'll have the federal point? police yeah. on your door mm. just because you've watched some videos yeah. about ISIL. No, I think that's, that's a complete misrepresentation no, of journalists who are inside academics. Just because they've been they've been watching YouTube. I mean, no one's gone yeah. around and said we support ISIS or we support no. this and terrorist groups and this and that. Yeah. Well, so there's a limit to the freedom of speech even in in Australia. You can't there just is, go there's around. There's definitely a, a, you can't a, go around an overreach by the state um, to repress people's right to speech. Yeah. So in Turkey, say you are a journalist. Okay, what does it take to become a journalist? You finish your university, Basenyayin, Gazetecilik, whatever that school is these days. You get your press card. I'm a journalist. You write whatever you want. You speak whatever you want. Doesn't mean you can break the law. I want to hear from a journalist that we have on the panel here. uh, We're talking about journalists. There is is another different setup in Turkey and the Western countries. I'm a journalist in Australia. If I'm broadcasting uh, any interviews, I have to edit... Erdogan and Kılıçdaroğlu and Demirtaş or any other group, the Fethullah Gülen's weave. So the opposition. This, yeah, 
oppositions and Erdogan has to be in it. I can't take the Erdogan out or I can't just give a voice to Kılıçdaroğlu. No. It's not it's not the journalism. This is a basic journalism rules. We have to do it in Australian media this month. I assume because Erdogan is in power yes. and he's getting more power because that journalists that support him are supporting of course, more power. But Erdogan of course there's a journalist that support the AKP. That is normal because there's a journalist supporting the opposition as well. And there is a journalist and the media groups that are supporting the Fethullah Gülen. You know that that is so divided. Well, lots of freedom there, I can see. A lot of political activity no, happening no, no. in Turkey. No, no, no. I'm talking about like everybody have their own media me, uh, media, and then everybody uh, doing the news while their views. You know, like yeah. the uh, so everyone's got the a voice one in news. Turkey. Isn't no. he right? Eighty-five <laughs> percent of the TV um, media is owned by the government or under government control. Seventy-five percent of print media is under government control. So that doesn't leave a lot of voice for outside I, I opposition of voices. Now you have under this um, after the coup, the state of emergency, you have countless newspaper and media organisations closed down by decree. No rule, no uh, due process, no judicial oh, process. On. It come was on. just because they were linked with the Gulen movement that yes. shut them down. Banks, the same thing. Business, the and same I would, thing. I would shut them down. But, no, but you need you need a law, legal process to be able to find out whether these brother, people are legal or not. They staged a coup. They bombed. They bombed the Turkish we don't Grand know who National staged Assembly. The coup. Who bombed them? Aliens. Two hundred and fifty people were killed in one night. 2,500 people were no injured. No one's denying that. Right? No one's denying it. there are other thousands of people who are injured that are not even registered. We don't registered. know who. If this happened in any other country in the world where you had a group of military people who stormed the streets with their tanks, took off on the F-16s, terrorised civilian public and then dropped bombs onto civilian public, uh, attacked them with attack helicopters, right? Civilians we're talking. They staged a coup. They wanted to topple the government, execute the president. What do you think the government's going to do? What do you think, as a citizen, I would like to be done? I would like them jailed, mate. I'm not sure if they shut down all the newspapers, though. We had this term Gulen movement a couple of times now. Just for Australian listeners, who well, are they? What, what do they Everybody stand for they and, and why they're so hated uh, by some people? What we know about the Gulen movement, nearly f- more than 40 years. It's, yeah, Fethullah Gulen has been around since the 70s as a, as a yes. preacher, religious mm. preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, um, religious group? Can we call, said, call them Cult? cult, yes, cult, yeah. Cult? Well, I don't know. I look. I'm not sure about as an academic. I have to look at things in a very def- definitive way. But it definitely, it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a religious movement built around this person. person. Yeah. But the Gulen movement arise when the um, AKP uh, when they get the power. Erdogan's party. Yes, mm-hmm. they were together. They were walking in this road together. And then a yeah. split took place. Yes, oh, okay. and then they split later on, and then the military coup is happened. The right. alleged story is that um, for 40 years, the, the followers of, of, of Gulen, which is called the Jemaat, the community in, in Turkey, infiltrated the, the state and the bureaucratic arms of the government because it was so secular, staunchly secular, secular, militaristic. goes back to what Ibrahim said, because the pious and conservative element were marginalised from achieving in getting into these positions yeah. so they they had to filter in, in discreet ways yeah. 
So after a while, after a you know maybe a couple of decades, there's a, you know they position themselves within critical points within the state bureaucracy. It sounds um, like um, like a conspiracy theory in the West around the Freemasons well, this, or something. Yeah, right? I know it sounds very much to a Western Westerner that it, it sounds absurd or, or Hollywood, yeah. but this 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 has actually happened. So infiltration. But so when when AKP came into power, this walking together, though, as Hunter said, this was actually a correct um, description of, and the two alike allied together, partnered up together to overthrow the secular establishment within within the bureaucracy. The However, state the friendship didn't last. Yeah, there was a power yeah. there was a power play between them okay. and, and we know who's who's lost or is losing. Yeah, okay. Oliver, can I just mention something? We we you, 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 no one mentioned the word word parallel state there. Now the main thing that the government is saying is the Gulenist movement is the parallel state. Well, you know, uh, uh, parallel state. Okay, I understand what you're saying, yeah. but uh, you are running the government. Yes. Like I'm not talking about Erdogan, AKP. Mm. Okay, in Australia, yeah. you are. Turnbull running the government, yes. and there is another government, and then nobody yeah. noticed so it. Shadow ministry. Well, that's the whole the idea, <laughs> isn't it? To like, be secretive, to be secretive until you come to a point where you can take over the state. That's but, the whole idea. Ibrahim, why would you let yourself? Make, why would you make yourself obvious when you don't have enough power to overthrow a government and take control? They all took their positions up, sleeper cells, right? For waiting for that direction. The direction for when that direction comes, when they're strong enough to take over. That's what they waited for. And they tried that, but it was foiled. You're telling us you're telling us how they rose to power, so to Correct. speak. However, in, in modern Turkey there's no room for this movement because in Australia we accept weird sects and people that have strange religious beliefs and, and for it's okay. Now. We don't have for to now. we don't have to lock because them up. Because in Australia so. there's only a handful of them. You wait until they have prime positions. Ibrahim just makes a claim that the Gulen movement is also present here in Australia, correct? Well, yes, they would be. You yes, are. Yes, I mean it's, it's yes. very strong here. Yeah. The community yeah. is very yes, strong, strong in Australia. Yeah. And unfortunately we couldn't have anyone on the panel here. We've tried, but we couldn't find anyone <laughs> to speak out. So people in Australia are engaging with Turkey as a country in politics, but not for the right reasons. Perhaps because until now, it was mainly the Gallipoli link that yes. Australians mm. connect to yes. Turkey. And we've just heard the division, and I think we've heard it on this panel as well. The yes. division goes right through the community, even here in Australia. And, and I, uh, I, Can I give you an example? Yes. Uh, I was telling Fatma before that it's gone to a level where people will not go to certain mosques to pray. So you have the Gulen, um, pro-Gulen mosque, and then you'll have something that is, you know, linked to Milli Gurdish movement, which is the Ak Parti sort of ideological basis, and they will not go to each other's mosques. And that's how much it's come, and, that the division is, and, is and, really... And this, is, yeah. this doesn't yeah. even have to do with the Kurdish-Turkish issue? That's another issue. There are so many different issues. But, yeah, but, yeah. And also another thing that, you know, Tezcan, you know, he, he mentioned that and it reminded me of something was that there's also this suspicion so that someone is a follower of Fethullah Gulen. And you, so there is that sort of suspicion in the community. Are they? Aren't they? I know certain groups have been accused of being followers and, um, you know, and I won't mention anything. I don't want to be accused of slander. Yes. So, but, you know, that that has happened. So there is this real... Are they? Aren't they? Can I trust yeah. them? Can't I trust so, them? So security has also been lost here in Australia. And um, there was a few more stories in the European media in particular about the Turkish Secret Service being very active. And there's been uh, a couple of agents, uh, their cover was blown, for example, in, in Germany just in recent weeks and months. 
is that an issue here as well that that yeah. Erdogan might send his spies to a, a mosque that no, the, the, def- the consulates here are very active in we don't want to end up in, in conspiracy but I'd no, really no, like to yeah, know no, what no, the I know, is I've like. experienced this firsthand myself people who are academics or who are known people who are linked to back to the Gemma to the Gulen movement are definitely uh, are hounded by the, the consulate officials here um, I'll give you an example is so the the iftar which is you know the fast breaking Ramazan was uh, was held with um, a Jamaat or Gulen-linked um, Islamic group here. Uh, and the consul officials sent out um, letters, official doc- letters to, to, to the um, to parliamentarians, the state parliamentarians that were going to attend these dinners, not to go because they were, um, uh, I guess, promoting or supporting a terrorist um, group. Uh, we've, I, I know for a fact that um, consul officials have gone to certain universities and to stop them from hiring um, Gulenist or, or what's thought to be Gulenist academics and have tried to pressure them uh, and strong arm them into um, not hiring them or firing them. And I know this for a fact. So this plays out in it happens, Australian yeah, daily yeah, yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. So okay. it is a very, it's, it's not a Hollywood movie. Just it's a very to, serious thing. Just to here. clarify, That's but the thing, the, it's the, not the, a movie, it's real. The yeah. Gulen movement is only considered a terrorist movement in Turkey, not here in Australia. No, I mean, of course, or else, you know, they're, they're, they're yeah, affiliate, the affiliate groups and schools and high schools and primary yeah. schools and other associations would not be able to function openly. You listen to Europedia. We're coming to a close. And before relieving my guests of this burden of talking to us here, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, which, which uh, I think will lead to further discussions at home and maybe people listening to us uh, right now, I would like to hear from you because um, Erdogan, if everything goes his way, can at least stay in power for another 10 years. Where do you see Turkey in 10 years, Hande? Erdogan going to be staying in power. Unless it is health-wise. Mm-hmm. Not much will change, is what no, Hande says. I don't think so. Um, Tesh, what do you say? You've just come back from Turkey, and in 10 years, will Turkey be closer to Europe? Will Turkey be its own kind of country in between continents? Will Turkey align with the Arabic world? Where do you see Turkey on a... On I a don't think... This is not a zero-sum. Turkey is its own country. It's it's always been for a thousand, thousand years um, uh, the Turkish... Um, empire now it's a it's a nation state so it's always been a mix of west and east it's always found its way it shouldn't be this it's going to be west or is it going to be east it has found its feet some will drag it more filter it towards the east some will filter uh, uh, face it towards the west but turkey will always continue to be its own country. Ibrahim, you've also at the start looked back at Turkish history and said there's been many Turkish states and there might be other ones following. Where do you see Turkey in 10 years? Well, I mean, look, uh, Erdogan will be in power for as far as we can see, unless he makes major mistakes and there's a much more stronger politician from another party. But I don't see that happening right now. Turkey is now strong enough to be independent from Europe, from Asia, from whoever. Wonderful. Thank you. Whoever for that wants to come and be with Turkey are most welcome, but Turkey doesn't need anybody now. Thank you very much. Fatma, where where do you see T- the country of your forefathers in ten years? <laughs> it's it's difficult to say. If the economy continues to grow and like Ibrahim said as well, unless Erdogan makes some major mistakes, I think he'll continue the the AKP will continue to be in power. 
there are so many forces internally that are trying to tear the country apart. Correct. It's sort of like you already have all these external forces trying to tear the country apart. You've also got all, the, all of these internal forces trying to tear the country apart. So one thing I do know is that you need a strong leader to be able to do that, whether that's to, to keep it together, but whether that's through Erdogan or not. I wish the Turkish people well and I... And I hope things continue to get better and improve and the economy improves and quality of life improves for, um, you know, the majority. Thank you very much to my guests here today for coming in to Europedia, Ibrahim Gocol, Teshkan Gümüş, Fatma Ipek and Hande Ergen. <laughs> My name is Oliver Heuter. I'm your host here at Europedia. You can subscribe to us, to our podcast, wherever you like, wherever you get your podcasts from, or just find us on the SBS website. Thank you then for listening.